When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Yes, guys, welcome back to the Canon Podcast. And we are back again with some very special news. No, Arsenal have not signed a player. Um, George, take it away. Is there something better? Let's just say yeah, no, we, we've signed a new partner to the uh, to the Vucis team. Here uh, we go, guys. Something like deal. a sign, undisclosed fee. Yeah. He's engaged. <laughs> hey. Undisclosed, yes. We should have had champagne bottles right now. Yeah, we should have. Uh, I mean, the camera hey, would have like, been a bit, but. You know, I was just telling the boys offline, like, you know, this is just classic where you plan for everything to be perfect and it just doesn't go. And so uh, for all the people that don't know, like I dated, I got engaged, I proposed in New York. Central Park, beautiful setting. Everything central was running gorgeous. Park. There was a central lot of central running, central power, running needed power in the end to get through this. That is mud. on purpose for sure. <laughs> but um, but no, I'm like on my phone. We're getting ready for dinner. The whole excuse is that we have to cut through the park in order to get to dinner because traffic in New York's mad. And so we're going through, but I've never been to this place that I'm proposing to. And there's this small path that I'm guessing is the spot. But I'm on Google Maps. I'm trying to make sure she's not seeing. And we just, I just chanced. I go, you know what? We'll go through it. Who cares? And we're going through and the, and the path is getting muddier and muddier. And now keep in mind, you know, my partner's in high heels at this point. We're trudging through. And I start, I start my speech. You know, we've been through so much this year. And she stops me. She goes, no, this isn't, this isn't working. We are sinking. I'm sinking in the mud. And so we had to bail through the forest to finally get onto a good path. But no, how, how long was your speech to, uh, to, not, to, to give? Not long. Like, I mean, I would say it was like 30 seconds in. Like the path wasn't like... Yeah, but George, 30 seconds for you is like 30 minutes for us. <laughs> so the thing is, so, you know, what do I mean by... So what do I mean by, by a great year? year? So, um, so what, when we say year... Uh... <laughs> Could be 12 months, 365 days. Oh, There's wait. a multitude of time, but... Um, I'm buzz- I'm buzzing for you and if me and Bob's don't yeah, get an invite then... oh of course oh, Cannon Pod has to make an appearance I'm just saying Crete 2025 book your calendars and if you want to invite as well join the Patreon <laughs> 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 yeah. yeah free invites on the Patreon 
<laughs> free free giveaway. We will fly you out to Crete. <laughs> Mate, congratulations. Course, yes, that is fantastic. But George had to, he had to find a plan B, right? <laughs> oh, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> and so does Mikel Arteta. <laughs> oh, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Sees Jeff. Um, listen, let's talk the Arsenal attack. Because uh, while George was away, um, we had a game. I mean, I'm not sure. Did you catch the Fulham game, George? I, I did both because I'm a nut. Yeah. You did watch. You both watch both games. So, so you know what? Respect to that. But um, there seems to be there seems to be an issue, especially with the fan base. They see it as the Arsenal attack isn't clicking. And I saw a stat that we've got 20 open play goals, which is not on course to win a title for sure. Lastly, I think we set a record for most ever goals scored by an Arsenal seed. Um, so let's talk about George what do you think is the obvious fix is there one thing McArthur can change dynamics is it a small change to make a massive difference yeah there's one thing that we've talked about on the pod get your superstar attackers closer to goal and there's a multitude of ways that you can do that but I think that fundamentally right now we're still finding this dynamic where we've prioritized kind of the central overload as opposed to the wide overload and it's come at the expense of our superstar attackers and I think that right now, it's not just that we're feeding off scraps. There is a cre- creativity debate to be had. Um, I just don't think it's valid in the last month, ironically. If you look from, I'd say, mid-November, Arsenal were something like 12th in chances created. And then in the last month, they've shot up to fifth. Like Arsenal have been one of the most creative teams in the last month in the league in order for us to make that jump. So it's not a matter for me of uh, of the team not producing chances anymore, which I think at the beginning of the season, that was the case. There was very few chances and we were actually overtly clinical in the amount of chances that we have. Now we've just swapped. And then with results going poorly, you start saying, that's the reason we're poor. I, I think we just need to get a bit better about maximizing players in the zones that they prefer. And, you know, I, I look at Fulham, for example, and I have a look at, you know, maybe at the beginning of the match, Martin Odegaard receiving at the top of the box and I'm seeing him shoot when before I've seen a, a kind of back post cross occur. And that's been a beautiful chance creation method, but I'm not seeing it as much. I'm seeing, for example, Gabriel Martinelli with a lot of, you know, uh, chalk in his boots, and I don't see him inside as much as I do in previous seasons. And that's really reflected in his personal XG. If you go through the forwards, I, I think generally speaking, Gabriel Martinelli and Jesus are probably the biggest concerns, uh, broadly speaking, and, and that dynamic. And, and the reason I highlight those two is because, again, I feel that with the introduction of Kai Havertz, what this team has demanded itself is to facilitate for him and make sure that we get a platform for him to succeed. But that has come at the expense of somebody like Gabriel Martinelli, who for me um, should be the one that we frame our attack around, particularly when you look at last season, who was the one that overperformed XG the best, who was our best finisher, who was the one that you want taking a majority of shots, has to be that person. Um, and I think that we've uh, slightly altered our priorities to gain in an aspect that I don't think we lost last season. What do I mean by that? Bingo. Um, is... For example, when you've got Kai Havertz coming into the team and providing you with off-the-ball sturdiness and, and kind of second-ball competency um, and duels in that sense, we had that from Granite Xhaka. But what we've missed is not just the movement that Granite Xhaka was doing on the overlap and in terms of making space for people to cut inside, but I also think it was the pace of pass. 
that for me has been a really big issue broadly in the attack if I'm trying to diagnose it, where it's not just the fact that you're passing when it's on, but the tempo of that pass, sending a message, some of those technical empathy points that a lot of you know uh, players need to send, we're not doing. And so it becomes uh, recycled, it becomes predictable, and it becomes U-shaped. And so I, I would say those are the two big things that I would do. There's a lot of ways that we can get the boys inside a little bit more, but ultimately uh, I think that... Um, if we start to tweak those things, we will start to see an attack flourish. But I will make a prediction. I think in the next month and a half to six to eight weeks, maybe, we will see Arsenal have a big explosion in the attack. I'm very um, optimistic with this change. I would have been a lot more concerned had we had these results with fewer chances created. Because for me, a sustainable attack builds from chances. You don't create chances, you're not going to score them. So the fact that we're not scoring them now, yes, it's a concern. Yes, I am annoyed that, you know, we are underperforming XG by so much. But I do think that a team that creates more, you're going to draw a little bit more optimism that that attack will flow. It will eventually come and click together. You're on mute, babe. I think the question actually is, and I think George makes a very good point there, and that is the fact that, you know, we're actually making chances now. And I think that was the big concern at the start of the season, that we weren't creating chances and fans were getting annoyed. Uh, the real question for us is, how do we get our most clinical attackers closer to goal? And we often talk about Gabriel Martinelli. That, that's the player we want to get closer to goal. But Alex, how is Mikel Arteta's, what is the actual method Mikel Arteta could use? Uh, we all, always talk about it, but what's the thing he could do? Is it, you know, you can't just move him closer to goal and play him as a striker, maybe? Or is it more of a profiling in with a more attack-minded number eight that's more creative for him? Yeah, I it's, it's difficult when we're talking about these types of things because we're talking about an attack. And the problem is the moment you go, well, just move so-and-so closer to get, that has a knock-on effect to everything. You know, every it's a symbiotic system. You can't just move one thing and expect nothing else to change. I think I want to pick up on a couple of things George said. And I, I think as well, two things before I say that. One, we are right to trust Mikel in, in the sense that, you know, I think there's, a, there's a, this sort of panic. And I'm like, actually... You know, it's not that we've been stuck being unable to create chances, as we said. It's not that we've been stuck, you know, being unable to finish our our meals so far this season. But we've had both problems, and both times Mikel has managed to to fix it. So, and I think he's earned the right to to be trusted to to fix it. And secondly, like anything, there's a big picture here. You know, there's, there's a number of things that are coming together to cause this issue that we're seeing at the minute. Now. Uh, what is that? What is that picture? And, and you know, I don't necessarily have one thing that I would say that is the thing. Um, maybe the right-hand side would be my my absolute number one priority if I was going on the training ground tomorrow and for some reason they let me take the session. I'd be talking about the right-hand side and saying, let's see if we can fix that. But it's the stuff I spoke about on the last podcast, so I, I won't go in too much into detail now because I did last, last time, but it's about the um, what I think the difference is between Saka's gravity from this season uh, to last season. I think he's pulling less players over to him, which is giving Odegaard less space. That's one of them. Jesus is spending less and less time um, out on the wing. I think I think he's spending a lot more time centrally, which I don't know why, um, but I think that's another problem for Martinelli. I would allude to what George was saying about um, Kai Havertz and the fact that we've had to facilitate for him. Teams are managing to force Martinelli to receive. If you go look at the touch maps, Martinelli's receiving way deeper, way wider than he was last season, which again is a problem. I think in terms of the the ball, uh, the play behind um, the sort of the front five, I'd love to see a lot more ball progression. Um, when I was watching Liverpool the other night, I don't want to go that far. 
you know, there is a, a kamikaze press the nuclear button every single time they get to the final third. That's too far. Like, and then you lose the ball and you get transitioned on. It's just, it's, it's not sustainable football. But it's not one or the other. It's not be super conservative or be super be super, you know, uh, liberal in, in the final third. There's a balance to be found. And I think there's an approach where I wonder whether Mikel. I just think Mikel puts into their minds, don't lose the ball in the final third. Don't lose the ball in the final third a little bit too much. And I'd love to see that risk factor just shifted up. And as well for the players behind the ball, sometimes I see Rice not making that risky pass between the lines as progressive as he's been. That They're progressive passes, but they're often the obvious pass, which isn't always wrong, by the way. And it's not to say make all of the risky passes. It's just a couple more. Um, and Zinchenko's influence, I think, has been decreased this season, partly because he's been in and out of the team. So unfortunately, there's no one fix. I don't think it is, to return to what you were saying, I don't think it is just move Martinelli closer to goal. I don't think it is just, you know, ask so-and-so to do whatever. But I also agree with George that we're worried now. And also in January, because there's two games, there's not going to be loads of sample for us to feel sort of confident about it. And I don't think we're going to do loads in the market, which I know we'll come to. So there's going to be a lot of anxiety. But I think let's just, you know, trust in, trust in the coaches because they... They know what they're doing. They've got us here. I feel like a lot of our, you know, comparisons in the fan base come from last season. So it's always, what were we doing last year? What were we scoring yeah. goals last year? What were we making chances last year? And and, and sorry to to come back up, but I do, I do think last season is slightly looked back on with rose tinted glasses That's what a I little was bit. Say. It's a yeah, yeah. It's it, I I think it's become a bit of a kind of well last season, and it's like mm-hmm. well my last boyfriend was. It's it's like well whatever. <laughs> I think I actually saw in terms of the, the underlying metrics, we actually like one expected point behind what we were last year out of yeah. the 20 games. And that just shows that, you know, maybe we were a bit more lucky last year in terms of some chances going in that haven't gone in this year. And, you know, I think obviously in terms of fans want to be entertaining. And last year we were more entertaining because we were scoring more goals, being a bit more bold and attacking. But Mikel wants to win a title, right? And that's what he sees as most entertaining. And he probably feels that this current style of play, if he can find the right balance, is closer to, what, you know, to winning a title than it is what he was last season. Well, I think also, like, if you were to also compare even just the current season, and, and I and I saw a really good chart that kind of looked at the number of shots that teams had taken, the number of XG that they produced. And, for example, I look, look, let's look at Man City because they're the reference for a lot of people. Um, I know P- Liverpool are on top, but ironically, they have the worst XG of the top three of us in terms of, um, you know, uh, the, the XG created. And so you start to look at it. Arsenal are actually... Uh, just below Manchester City in terms of 25, uh, and Manchester City of 27. We do create more shots. So if on average, if you kind of divide out those numbers per shot, we are creating a little bit less XG than kind of uh, league leaders in that sense. But um, it's not a lot. It's only two XG is a difference. And so generally speaking, the attack is performing very similarly to how attacks are performing in the league, at least from an underlying metric perspective. Mm-hmm. Of course, there's that efficiency. Of course, there's the fact that, you know, Arsenal are underperforming by something like eight goals, which is a big difference. Like you add eight goals, that's the difference between six points plus. And so obviously that comes with it. Um, people are just going to say, well, you know, score. <laughs> you know, there's not a lot of analysis that comes in, you know, in Twitter, um, you know, in, t- in terms of but, that. But, but honestly, it, I, George, I from a sustainability great. perspective, I guess, is where I come from. And I start looking at teams like Aston Villa. I start looking at teams like Liverpool. And I start saying, is that a game model, for example? Um, and Alex, you kind of alluded to it, that we can adopt going forward. For me, I'm more comfortable with how we are playing in terms of will we be there by May? 
Now, yeah. I, I think Liverpool, Aston Villa, these game models, they look great in 19 game samples. They look great when you want to get 50 points in the first half of a season, and they look great there. But if we're talking about what game model do we predict or at least put our hat in to give us success at the end of the season, I would put more into what we're doing with slight tweaks because we're not perfect. I don't think that the attack has been great. I don't think Mikel himself and some of the decision-making has been uh, phenomenal in the last couple of weeks, but also just to start the season. For example, I will never agree with Trissard as a touchline left winger, but we seem to want to do that. Kiwior, my biggest frustration in the Fulham game, something I wasn't here to talk about, but why are you making Kiwior perform a Zinchenko role? I'm not sure. Um, you know, he is a center back, you know, play him as a Nathan Ake type, play four center backs at the back. Don't ask him to invert. Like the, these are very basic, I think, um, role demands and putting people in zones that they prefer. We don't do enough of, and it's not just in the attack. And I think it is a little bit about how we want to construct the team moving forward, where let's say we have an idea and a plan. We want to invert the left back. Okay, if your inverted left back is not available, don't force your center backy type to do that role when he's not suited to it. Play to his strengths, slightly adapt, and make your team maybe overlap a little bit ahead. If he's going to stay deep, then ask your central midfielder to overlap for your left wing. Ask your striker to overlap for your left wing. Uh, there, there are ways that we can be a little bit smarter in our approach. So you want Kieran Tinney back, is that what you're saying? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I did hear you say that, yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, but then if you bring back a Tierney, do you reliably think he's going to stay fit? I was joking, to be clear. <laughs> yeah. Just that, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of... There's a lot That's of always a concern, now. you know? No, You've no, got a squad full of players are injured and you bring them on and he's also very injured prone, unfortunately. No, to, to, to actually answer the question, it's less about Kieran Tierney, the name, and about the profile yeah. that you lost. And the yeah. way if, you've If you're going to go See into the, the season out. losing a powerful runner like that... Um, which, by the way, is something we could do with. I, mm. I, I never understood getting rid of both of them, by the way, because we've also lost Tavares. And I know people don't want us to talk about it because it's not a quality that we actually attribute, but look at the the left-back quality right now, right? You're looking at an inverted left-back in Zinchenko who's brilliant in specific games. We've talked about his deficiencies. I've been a little bit harsher than most on it, but we know what he, his limits are. If you're not going to recruit a carrier in that position, you're going to leave yourself predictable to one game model. Now, go on the right. We kind of tried to address that with Timber, and we did in theory. Look, you can't plan for ACLs being gone in the first like two weeks or the first two games of his season, but at least the plan was there. Ben White, Timber. Boom. Perfect. Yeah. That is competent. You can't go in with no running power left back and just assume that you know an inverted you know Zinchenko is the way forward. You need uh, versatility to profile. You 100% do. And I think one thing that's very important to note, and I think Arsenal fans forget this a lot, is we talk about Arsenal's current team, and especially Havertz, and people talk about the fact that it's not working and it's not as good as last year. But we have to realise that actually we're playing with plan B. This isn't Mikel Arteta's plan A. We saw a lot of plan A last season for the first half. That's why we got 50 points, because you had Zinchenko, Jesus, all these players that were your plan A last season, they were starting. Thomas Partey. This year, Partey's injured. Timber's injured. So you can't really have Rice be the proper Jacker replacement. You can't have Timber play as left back and allow us to play the way we want to play. And so fans are judging our A team last year to almost our, not our B team, but a B plan to this year. And that's why it's not as good, but we're still in the conversation. Do you think last year, if you took away three first teamers, we would have been fighting for a title? No. I mean, clearly, we saw at the end. 
There you go. And now this like year, one. we've got no Thomas Partey for... We've had him for three games this season, three starts this season, and we're still in the conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there, there, there is there is a level of panic that I I just can't relate to. In, it's not, it's not even the panic. It's more the, the I think the conversation I keep getting. I keep being questioned about has our squad depth improved, and I'm thinking to myself, yes, of course, <laughs> yes. <laughs> but they keep saying we want more. Of course, you want more. You always want more. You want more signings. Yeah. You want more players. But yeah. you have to have context. You keep improving year by year. You can't go yeah. from having no depth last year to having every single player you want. You can't have Saka behind Saka, KDB behind KDB. You can't have that for every team. Yeah. Breaking news, all Arsenal fans satisfied with squad forever. That's <laughs> never going to happen, is it? Yeah, but there, there's always that the chance to improve the squad and we are actually in that opportunity right now. The transfer oh, window is open and mate, we've fire. got some links coming in. Uh, Jarrell Hatto. Jarrell Hatto, I think he is. That's Jarrell Hatto, right? Uh, 17 years of age, Ajax and a back, Dutch international, one cap. Let's go to George first. Let's, let's break down the profile of the player because this actually kind of connects to Kivior. Because if he were to sign a left-sided defender, it could mean something for his future as well. But let's talk about how first. Do you like the profile? Do you think it could actually you know, impact the first team? Thanks for checking out the Canon Podcast. To hear the full episode, sign up as a YouTube member on this channel or go to patreon.com forward slash the Canon Pod. Sports Social Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.